Are you recording now? Recording. <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. Things are about to get weird. Just get to the murder. Hi there, I'm Megan. And I'm Danielle. And we are Crime and Roses. We are a true crime and bachelor franchise recap podcast. Yeah, we're both. We are two Georgia attorneys watching and recapping all things Bachelor just for you. So we're talking Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, Winter Games, Summer Games, all the games. Basically any show that ABC comes up with and forces us to watch. And then we'll release a true crime episode connected to what we've seen on the show that week. So if you don't like true crime, we have The Bachelor. And if you don't like The Bachelor, we have true crime. And if you don't like either... We're probably not the podcast for you, and that's okay. So, if you're into one of those things, both of those things, come check us out as we combine our two favorite things into one-stop listening shop for you. So find us on your favorite podcatcher and on social media at Crime and Roses, and email us at crimeandroses at gmail.com. Bye! Love you, mean it! Did you hear we supposed to get snow tonight? You think that's real? <laughs> you think that's it's more like freezing rain so yeah no i do not think that's gonna happen i mean maybe for well my iphone tells me it has a snowflake oh, shit. i don't know if that is different than the freezing rain there's no picture for that but this is a snowflake it tells me it's gonna snow at five in the morning so uh when me and my coworker left today because in the morning my boss is supposed to text us if we're supposed to come into work or not uh, and me and my coworker, instead of saying like, oh, bye, yeah, see you tomorrow, we both were like, I hope, I hope I don't see your ass tomorrow. Have a good night. I hope I don't see your ass tomorrow. I hope that it snows and I hope that I don't have to go into work tomorrow. Well, they, the shitty thing about the Roner, which along with lots of shitty things, obviously about it, m- many, but this is one now that, you know, we maybe didn't foresee. There's no such thing as a, sc- a snow day for school anymore. Uh, you still have to go to class online. So, you know, they said, uh, you know, if you don't want to actually come to class, you don't have to, but you're going to have to be online. But also, they haven't actually even canceled class, so I'm not really sure what's going on. And, you know, I got to commute, so I couldn't say. Did you see in Texas, because they're so, like, not equipped for snow, mm-hmm. that, like, it, it is the end of the world. People's have been out of power. One guy's roof collapsed. I saw that on TikTok. That was something different. I also saw the, you know, because everybody, their excuses when it starts to snow, you know, like, oh, you know, I can't come into work. You know, I don't know how to drive in the snow. Uh, Well, this person on TikTok was like, yeah, my boss dead ass came and picked up every single one of us. So we could go to our shift. And I'm like, oh, shit. Well, I don't, I don't know much about text. I don't know much about power. But uh, from what I have gleaned is, like, Texas, like, makes their own power. They don't, like, outsource power from, like, anywhere else or something. I'm not really sure. So that's why they're having such a a problem because they can't, like, get any more power. I don't know. Something about, like, wind turbines or something like that. If you know something, email us. Well. I don't know. (laughs) Well, what does that mean? Is it not windy? Is that what it is? Well, I've heard that, like, the wind turbines are, like, almost, like, froze up. Oh no! <laughs> so, like, they should have gone. They should have gone with solar power. Yes, I'm honestly not sure. Uh, I saw a girl on TikTok. Her child's fish tank um, froze. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> and the fish died. <laughs> Even though everybody was like, "Nah, he's alive," and she was like, 
no, he's fucking not. Like, here he is, dead as shit. <laughs> so, yeah, that's bad, but yeah. Mm. I hope it don't get like that around here, you know? <laughs> I hope not either. Uh, prayers for Texas. Uh, prayers for that lady's fish. <laughs> Damn. It was a big fish tank for the, for the little fish in it, too. Bless their hearts. Uh, anyways, this is not a show about fish. This is a show about true crime, paranormal, and everything in between. Uh, it's called This Is Gonna Sound Weird. I'm one of your hosts, Sydney. I'm the other host, Taylor. And this week's theme is disappearances. Dun, 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 dun. So, I will be disappearing for work tomorrow if this snows. I will not be there. I'll be at home. I would like to disappear from class tomorrow. We will see. Honestly, will I go to my 8.30 class in person? Odds are, no. Probably not. No. Multiple. I've been so tired. Oh, my Lord. Last week, I was so, I was so tired all week. I could not even. Mm, something, something's up. I think it's the rain. It is the rain. It's the rain. It's the fucking weather. Uh, it's the fact that it stays dark starting at fucking five thirty. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's just everything. It's my life. Mm-hmm. I got muddy paw prints all throughout the house. Text be running out, create mud. Come in, get these little muddy paw prints everywhere, and it ain't even worth cleaning up at this point. I mopped, and it just came back the same day. Y'all need a you need a swiffer. Mm. I need a new dog. <laughs> Another option. <laughs> one that don't go outside. One of them crusty white dogs. I can just make it pee, pee oh. on a pee pee pad. <laughs> oh my god. I had a crusty white dog as a child. <laughs> she 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 got meaner with age. My- <laughs> Bless her heart. Sugar. Sugar. Where are you? She's Sugar. I, I would say she's in heaven, but that's up for debate. Uh, well, my family still has a crusty white dog. He is not mean. He is. He's actually kind of sweet. He actually don't have much of a personality at all. Uh, but we do have another crusty brown dog. Now he's mean as shit. Oh, t- are you talking about Otto? Otto's the mean one. Noah is uh, the Otto? other one. Otto's just misunderstood. Nah, he's a bitch. Sorry, Otto. He's got. Listen, I met Otto. We had a connection. He didn't eat my ass up, and he actually let me pet him, and he sat in my lap. So I think he just hates y'all. Maybe. He's like a pudgy on TikTok. If you know who pudgy is, you know what I'm talking about. You know who pudgy is? Well, it's this little crusty dog, and the owner, the pudgy is verified on TikTok. We'll have to share a pudgy video. Anyways, the owner will be like, hey, pudgy, can I get a awa awa? And then pudgy, (laughs) and then pudgy will be like, yeah. So yeah, that's Otto. I sh- if if he live with me, I could get TikTok famous off of Otto. I'd be like, Otto, can I get a awa awa? And then him and his diaper would run over and really just try to eat my ass up. I have seen Gucci on TikTok where the man will go like be driving home and he sees his dog like flirting with another dog. <laughs> and he'll be like, Gucci, get your ass home. <laughs> and Gucci would just take just take <laughs> off. Yeah, I don't know if I've seen him. I've seen I've seen so many dogs on TikTok. You know, can't keep them straight these days. Can't. Yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, <laughs> I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna dip into my story now. We, we're at listen. We're at that five six minute mark. Yeah. I will. I I will not go over five to six minutes of chit chat. I just I won't do that to no, y'all. You don't want to just sit here and listen to us chitter chatter all night long. 
I mean, perhaps you do, perhaps you don't. I don't know you personally. I know. But Maybe if we ever start Patreon, that can be what we do. We just talk. We just have regular conversations <laughs> and record them. This is true. Isn't well. We're gonna put a pin in that. We're gonna put a pull out on Instagram. Okay. About. <laughs> Would you like to listen to us chit chat about nonsense for hours on end <laughs> for it for a dollar? <laughs> Anyways, so the theme for this week is disappearances. I chose to do mine on the disappearance of Joan Rich, or Rich, who's to say? Okay. Did I Google how to pronounce it? No, I thought about doing it, and then mm. I forgot. Damn. So, it's R-I-S-C-H. So, pronounce it in your head however you see fit. I avoid the word in most of this. <laughs> <laughs> so, that I'm just going to refer to her as Joan. Her first name. So my sources are Wikipedia, an article by William Keller entitled Into Thin Air. What is the likeliness ex- the likeliest explanation for the disappearance of Joan Rich? Rich? Who's to say? Uh, and then <laughs> a YouTube video by Georgia Maria. Uh, she is just basically this gal on YouTube that just, I'm going to be honest with you, she just retells essentially the Wikipedia page of any true crime, I mean, you know, case. And uh, you know what? I like it because she, she has a little flavor to it and she's got a British accent. So sometimes I listen to her just to see her tune sense, you know? Mate. And they're only like 20, they're only like 20 minutes video. She's very to the point. That's kind of what we do what here, recommend? is just retail Wikipedia pages, but with southern accents instead. <laughs> this this is true. So, if she wants to do a collab, let me know. <laughs> yeah, let us know. So, Joan was born in Brooklyn, New York on May 12, 1930. And at age nine, Joan was sent to live with her relatives after her both of her parents were killed in a fire. Some say it was mysterious... But then no other article, like, looped back to it. So it could be mysterious. It could not be mysterious. Last week we discussed how, you know, as a child, you were conditioned to think that houses were just going to burst into flame any day of the uh-huh. week. So I hope that a firefighter, you know, came to her house so she knew what to, or to her school so she knew what to <laughs> What happens? What is she going to do? But anyways, in 1952, Joan graduated from Wilson College with a degree in English literature and began working in publishing. And then in 1956, she married Martin Rich, uh, who was an executive at a publishing company. And Joan would end up actually leaving her line of work in in order to start a family. And the two had... Uh, two children, and moved to Lincoln, Massachusetts in 1961. And from what I understand about Lincoln, Massachusetts, it's kind of a, a little bit of a privileged area, but it's also very quiet. Like, people like their privacy there. Again, one of those towns, nothing bad ever happens <laughs> until it does. So, on the morning of October 24th, Martin her Jones husband leaves a couple hours uh, early so he um, leaves at 8 a.m. because he's got to catch a flight to New York so that morning Joan made the children breakfast and dropped off her son David who was a baby at the time at a neighbor's house so she could take Lillian 
to the dentist and to run some errands. And after running these errands, Joan returned with Lillian and went to pick up David and she just sort of like went through her daily routine as usual. And then shortly after 2 p.m., Joan took her older daughter Lillian back across the street to the neighbors. Um, the Barkers is what their, their name was. It's Barbara Barker and her husband. And they're the ones that were looking after David earlier that day. Mm-hmm. So she drops Lillian off and she's got David over at her house. And around 3.40, the Barkers drop off Lillian at the Rich's house. And about 4.15, Lillian ends up walking back to the Barker's house and explains that mommy is gone and that the kitchen is covered in red paint. Okay. So she's, you know, the Barkers are like, the hell, what, what? So Barbara Barker goes to, over to the house and she finds David sitting in his crib crying because he needs to have his diaper changed and Joan is nowhere to be seen. So she, rightfully so, is like, whoa, okay, this is really weird. So she calls the police. And the police arrive shortly after 4.33, which is when Barbara called the police. And they speak with Barbara for a little bit and then began examining the home. In the kitchen, there was blood smeared on the walls and on the floor, and the kitchen table was turned over. At the Okay, so you got to remember, this is the 60s, mm-hmm. so they actually had, like, a phone on the cord. Okay. And so the, the handset of the phone had been ripped out of the wall mm. and had been thrown into a nearby garbage can that was sitting in the middle of the kitchen. And this was interesting because, obviously, they don't keep the trash can in the middle of the kitchen. They normally keep it under the sink. So clearly it was moved for some purpose. And after examining the scene, Sergeant Mike McHugh thought that, you know, Joan had maybe completed suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, when he started to examine the house further and he wasn't able to locate Joan's body, he realized that he needed to call in for backup. So the police continued to search the area and found that there were four letters in the mailbox that had not been brought in yet, which they evidently thought that was kind of weird, but I'm guessing they're thinking like, you know, she's a stay-at-home mom, you know, if the mail gets dropped off in the morning, maybe she would get it in by the afternoon, I don't know, I guess it was the 60s, <laughs> and they thought, this this lady's got nothing better to do than to wait for the mailman to bring her four letters. Yeah, I have not checked the mail today, uh, so if that may be suspicious if I... I'm going to disappear tonight. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. If that was the criteria uh, for, you know, uh, did, is she been murdered or not? Is that suspicious? Then, yeah, it would be very suspicious because I probably check them out maybe, maybe once a week because I don't get anything. Like, unless I have a package or I'm expecting the water bill, mm-hmm. you just ain't going, you ain't going to catch me looking for that. No. Anyways, so they found the Rich's phone directory sitting open on the table, like on the, I guess like the kitchen counter, mm-hmm. and the, the pages were opened to the page where 
the emergency numbers would be written. However, the page was blank, and you gotta remember that at this time, there was no 911 system, so you actually had to like know what number the police station in your area was. Oh yeah, yeah. So that would explain like if there was like any sort of like emergency that maybe she would have turned to that page to see what I don't know the ambulance number is or the police number. Mm. So they thought that was odd, and uh, after kind of like surveying what was and was not in the house, they found that Joan had taken with her a cloth coat as well as her purse. However, officials determined that because Joan had like she had made some purchases the night before, and you know she had paid for. Lillian to go to the dentist that morning they after you know all the checks that she wrote had balanced out but she really only had about ten dollars with her interesting or t- in in today's money ninety dollars so still not a lot yeah so they're like oh, well it seems unlikely that she would you know run away because it's not like she has a large sum of money on her how would she get by yeah, yeah, you ain't gonna make it far with 90 bucks. I mean, the gas alone, these gas prices, am I right? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I feel like back then the the cars were not efficient, so no. it probably cost a decent amount just for you to fill up. Mm-hmm. So the police department contacted local hospitals in the area and notified them that they were looking for a woman matching Joan's description and asked, you know, has anyone been admitted meeting this description? Or, you know, if, if someone does come in, could you please contact us? It's super important. And then after that, police contact Joan's husband, Martin, and they explain that there has been a family emergency and that he needs to come home immediately. So he flies back home. Uh, Now, just like any investigation, you know, any sort of case where a woman has gone missing, Mm -hmm. the police and media are like, it's got to be the husband. Because, I mean, we've watched enough Lifetime movies, it's got to be the husband. Uh, However, his alibi was confirmed because he was, in fact, in New York City. He had flown out that morning, so there was no way that he could have done anything to her. Also... Like, people had seen her around town that morning, so it's not like he could have done something to her in the morning and then, like, flown out. So, police also looked into the mailman and the milkman, because... Damn that mailman. (laughs) Because, um, because both of them had been by their house that, Joan's house that day, um... And I mean, I could get that, you know, it's the 60s. Maybe they thought maybe she was having an affair with the milkman. That's a stereotype. It is. It's still so weird that you have to get, like, specifically milk delivered to your house. Yeah. My manga said, sorry, my manga is my grandma. Um, she said that you used to get, you know, you'd have to save your bottles because then you get, like, your credit back from those bottles because they would just reuse them. So you, they bring you your milk. And then you'd um, you come in, you bring your milk inside, and then you put out the empty bottles, and you get a credit back. You know. Did the milk come from so. local cows? You think, or no? 
Probably. I don't think it's... Everything's so, like, processed these days. So I feel like you probably were getting milk straight from the udder at this time. Sounds deliciously disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it sounds like it would be very thick. <laughs> and also and also pretty it sounds like it'd be very warm after sitting on your porch all day. Not during uh these cold times. That shouldn't be froze. It'd be milk slushy. <laughs> this is true. Anyways, so after they kind of talked to the milkman and everything, they were like, okay, it's not Martin, it's not the milkman. Um, they started questioning Joan's neighbors, and they found that several residents had seen Joan that day. So around 2.15, before Joan went missing, Barker saw Joan wearing a trench coat and walking quickly through her driveway carrying something red uh, from her car to her garage. And this would be the last confirmed sighting of Joan because the following are all alleged. So they were like, yes, we definitely saw her in her yard at 2.15. Now at 2.45, a woman wearing similar clothes to Joan was seen wearing like a coat and a scarf over her head. Uh-huh. You know, imagine like the stereotype when you put a scarf over your head because you're incognito. Um, so she's wearing that and she's walking along Route 2A headed towards Concord and she appears to be wandering kind of hunched over almost as if she's like cold or injured mm-hmm. and then between 3.15 and 3.30 a similarly dressed woman was seen walking north on Route 128 and those who saw her said it appeared that she was disoriented and had blood running down her legs as she was holding her stomach. That's odd. So I'm like, damn, y'all saw that shit and you didn't, like, call somebody? What the hell's going on? I mean, I'm not saying I'd get out of the car and be like, let me help this woman, but... Call the police, at least? Call somebody. Go home. Get your phone book so you can figure out what the ambulance number is. And call somebody. God. Then, around 4.30, someone saw a woman matching Joan's description and wearing the same clothes as the woman from the other sightings headed down Route 128. Now, around 3.15 that day, one of Joan's neighbors, Virginia Keene, was getting home from school when she saw an unfamiliar car in the Rich's driveway. And you got to remember... The this was, you know, it was a, kind of a small town. Even though people kind of kept to themselves and like you didn't want people in their business, like obviously everyone's gonna notice if it's a new car in your driveway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she said that the car was a dirty two-toned General Motors truck, uh, and another witness recalled seeing uh, that same truck pull out of the Rich's driveway that day. And the neighbors, um, like the neighborhood milkman, you know, that milkman, you know, he's a popular guy. He's a popular guy in this story. Um, He recalls seeing that truck at the richest home before the day Joan went missing. So I guess the milkman came every five days. Uh And so he had seen that same truck there a week prior. So 
So I remember reported seeing a two-tone truck parked on Route 2A at 415 that day that Joan went missing as well. So that's just kind of odd. In this tiny town, you're seeing this lady wearing like a trench coat kind of wandering down the highway. But you're, everyone's also seeing this dirty two-tone truck, which I don't know what that means by two-tone. When I think of two-tone truck, I think of like when you get in a car wreck and you have to get like your bumper replaced mm -hmm. and then it doesn't match you know you got like a red bumper even though you have a blue car yeah, that's kind of what i'm thinking too so just a really shitty truck <laughs> in this nice in this nice ass neighborhood yeah, i mean they did say it was dirty so like so anyways so going back to the crime scene there was pretty much blood smeared everywhere it was in nearly every room of the house, and some drops were even found in the driveway near Joan's car, which I feel like that checks out because her one neighbor said that she saw her carrying something red through, like, you yeah. know, her driveway. So I'm like, well, was it something bloody? Mm -hmm. And it also appeared as if someone had attempted to clean up the blood because there were paper towels and a pair of overalls that belonged to Joan's son, David, uh, that it looked like they had, like, taken the overalls and taken the paper towels and tried to wipe things up and oh. just sort of smeared it around. There was also a pair of unidentified fingerprints on the scene that did not belong to Joan, but there, there wasn't enough, you know, on the scene that they could be like, oh, yeah, for sure, like, we're, we'd be able to identify it as somebody else's. Mm -hmm. But the blood found on the scene was the same type that Joan was known to have. It was type O, but it's also, I guess, the most common blood type. Mm -hmm. So, and, and at that time, they couldn't be like, you know, DNA really wasn't a thing. So they couldn't be like, oh, yeah, this is definitely her. Yeah. They were just like, well, it's type O. It's type O, you know. The killer could have had a type O as well. Yeah, that's not very helpful. I mean, it could be kind of helpful if, you know, I don't know. It could be helpful, but it's not. <laughs> not in the 60s. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty clear that, like, if Joe had been attacked, that her attacker had been very intentional about like cleaning things up and not leaving any evidence because I mean as much blood as there was on the scene you would think that there would be a lot more fingerprints and evidence yeah. showing a struggle and with the police not having very much evidence really this is when this conspiracy theories take off okay so, a little after Joan disappeared, a woman named Serene Gerson, who was a reporter for a local newspaper, went to the town's public library to research similar cases to Joan's. And she came across a book about Brigham Young's 27th wife. And for anybody who doesn't know who Brigham Young is, Brigham Young was the second president of the Mormon Church. So he was like a politician, but also like a religious figure. And uh, the book detailed the disappearance of 
Brigham Young's 27th wife, Anne Elisa Young. And Serene noticed that Joan had actually checked out that same book a month before she disappeared. And Serene thought that was, you know, pretty weird. Um, but she was like, all right, maybe a coincidence. And then she found Joan's signature in the checkout card in another book entitled Into Thin Air. And Into Thin Air is a book about a woman who goes missing and leaves behind blood smears and a towel, much like Joan. That's weird. So, Sir, so Serene was like, okay, this is really freaking weird. What are, like, what are the odds? So she gets together a group of volunteers to look up all these, like, all books that have to do with, like, missing persons or anything like that. Um, and she finds that over the summer of 1961, that Joan had actually checked out around 25 books. What the heck? And most of, and most of them were about murder or missing persons. Which I feel like, you know, these days, uh, with the whole true crime wave, not that weird. But I feel like for a housewife in the 60s, that's probably um, not quite so normal. Yeah, probably not. I mean, a woman reading? God. She's a, she's a witch! Uh, so after this, Serene and those at the newspaper began to believe that Joan might have staged the apparent crime scene and disappeared voluntarily. Which I'm like, well, damn. If, you know, the criteria of someone, uh, like, di- going and disappearing intentionally is that they read a lot of books about murder... Yeah, but if we ever go missing and they find this podcast, they're going to be like, listen, these bitches did it intentionally. But I'd like to go on record as saying, if Taylor and I, if, if Taylor and I go missing, please look for us. <laughs> I was going to say, I think we've said this before. If I go missing, I have not done it on my own free will. I swear to God, I have not. I have absolutely not. Because I don't want to go missing. Where am I going to go? I'm too scared to go anywhere. It's a panorama right now. I can't go nowhere. <laughs> we're literally in a Panera Bread like yeah and honestly I I could never go missing because who am I going to talk to if I ran away I would probably the next day call Taylor and be like oh my god I decided to run away let me tell you what I'm doing right now because then you gotta make all new friends and everything absolutely not that's too much work no like, ugh, can't. It, no. it couldn't be me uh, maybe for Joan but not for me. Not for me. Uh, but the theory that, you know, she ran away intentionally, it seems unlikely because those who, like, knew her and knew her husband all agreed that she was, you know, very in love and she really, like, like loved being a mother. She was a good mom. So it just doesn't seem like mm-hmm. she would... You might want to leave your husband, but you probably wouldn't want to leave your kid, right? That's true, unless you just fed up with all of them. Maybe. Well, some people speculate that, you know, Joan had a career before she met Martin, so perhaps mm-hmm. she wanted to, you know, get back to working, and she decided to run away, I guess, to do that. But 
from what Martin said, the plan was that once the kids got a little bit older and they started going to school, that Joan was going to go back to work anyways. Hmm. So. Odd. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but when I was reading this, I was like, this is very much, if you've ever read or seen the movie Gone Girl, very, oh, yeah. very similar energy. It's a wild movie. I've never read the book, but I watched the movie. Yeah, if you haven't read it or watched it, it's pretty good. It's got Ben Affleck in it. I'm not saying that that's a good thing, but he is in it. It's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, some speculate that Joan had a botched abortion. Uh, which I was wondering that. Which, this would explain... <laughs> The, all the blood around the house, as well as the witnesses saying they saw her walking down the street with blood going down her legs. So the big question is, like, why would she have an abortion? You know, was it the, I mean, she seemed like she really liked being a mom. So, like, I don't know. But then some people speculate, was she having an affair and maybe she couldn't have the child of another man? Um, Look, she probably wondered it because, you know, she's about to, she, them kids was getting older, you know, maybe, uh, and then she don't want to have no other baby because she's trying to go back to work. Maybe. Now, one thing that's interesting is there were some empty beer bottles found in the garbage can, which Martin said did not belong to him or Joan. Because the night before, mm. like, the two of them had, you know, they had polished off, like, a bottle of liquor. So, they're like, he was like, yeah, 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 that's us. But, like, we, that's not our beer bottles. So, like, could it be that somebody, you know, in a two-toned truck came over and they were supposed to have some beers and then maybe something went wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. True. Um... But you also got to remember, this is the 60s. I know, I, I feel like this is the theme of today's episode you better remember this is this was the 60s um so like any sort of abortion was illegal so Mm -hmm. for me i'm like it maybe she did have one um and maybe somebody came over to like perform it but for the most part when something like that would take place at that time you did it in a very secretive area because you could get in a lot of trouble for it um, but some speculate that, you know, perhaps she was going to get, have this procedure and maybe something went wrong and maybe either like she ran to like call 911 and the doctor ripped the phone out of her hands, you know, like I can't, I can't go out this way or maybe vice versa. Maybe like somebody was trying to help her and then like they went to go dial 911, but it's not 911 because it's the sixties and she ripped it out of their hands but that is a theory another theory is that maybe she had a miscarriage uh which i mean that could explain like if she was a little disoriented but Mm -hmm. i also with both of these theories whether it be a abortion or a miscarriage i find it odd that she would leave her son in the crib yeah that's true because you know like even if you are you know in in distress you're gonna be like get my baby i need my baby you know 
Mm-hmm. But uh, all of these theories um, are, after all, theories. Uh, personally, I think the most realistic one is the one that she just disappeared on her own. But maybe it's because, you know, I find it interesting that, you know, some of the cases that she was reading about in the library were so similar to her own, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but to this day, the case is still open. Uh, a reward was announced for any information leading to Joan being found or the case being closed, but no useful ever information was ever like brought to surface. So the case does still remain open today. And uh, March, Martin Rich, Joan's husband, did continue to live in the same house and raise his children. And this is kind of sad. He never declared his wife legally dead. So I feel like he. Oh, ha- no. So I feel like he had hope that you know maybe one day she'd come home. Damn, that's sad. But that is the disappearance of Joan Rich. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that, you know, she disappeared intentionally? Do you think something happened to her? I mean, I think obviously the mo you know, a major theory is that perhaps, you know, somebody just attacked her, but who? And for um, what reason? I believe that she disappeared on her own, especially after you uh, talked about the one book that she read that was like, The lady disappeared after she left blood all over the house. Now that is odd. What are the odds that that would occur? (laughs) Yeah, so I feel like that is a possibility. And I mean, I don't know though. Maybe she tried to make it seem like she had some sort of botched abortion or something. Maybe she faked all that to have people confused so they couldn't find her. I don't know. I mean, I think think her planning it is very realistic but i have no idea i mean obviously i have no idea i was not there but this is one of those cases i'm like you know what i'd like to solve this everybody wants to solve the john benet ramsey case but not me that is an open and shut case we already know what happens we don't know what happened to joan we need justice for joan true i've never heard of that story before i thought it was interesting i had also never heard of it but that's my story and i'm sticking to it well, thank you for that story. Okay, we're back from Sydney, uh, Sydney's laptop having a con- conniption. Um, we're back. So, uh, you know what? If the audio sounds weird, don't come for us. Listen, Apple? I'm so sorry, America. I'm so sorry to the listeners. <laughs> I, you know, I, I bought a MacBook, uh, and I don't understand why. These are expensive laptops, you know, they cost an arm and a leg. And if you have more than, like, one tab open, it acts like it just cannot, cannot. So it acts like it's going to take flight. Last week, it was an episode, it was a, like a whole thing. Um, so if the audio was weird last week, I'm so sorry. I had to watch a YouTube video on how to edit all that shit out. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I do apologize. Probably going to do that same shit, you know, this week. This is a new issue, um, so, you know, we're going to work on it. All right. Speaking of America, do you want to hear the story um, of one of America's oldest disappearances? 
So I've taken a little bit of a, a different uh, turn to this than Sydney took. I'm doing the Lost Colony of Roanoke. Oh shit! Is it oh, on God. fire? <laughs> <laughs> So we're back for the third, second, fourth, fifth time. Uh, yes, I am doing mine on the. Lo- <laughs> She's about to blow this bitch and up. Sydney is this close to just throw? Just about to throw my laptop, my speaker, everything out the window. Good lord! I need to snow day tomorrow. Okay, so I'm doing mine on the Lost Colony of Roanoke. Okay. Now, here's my sources. Historycollection.com, history.com, article, What Happened to the Lost Colony of Roanoke, and Wikipedia. So, this mystery, slash disappearance, dates back to the 1500s. So, in 1584, Elizabeth, nope, Queen Elizabeth I, gave Sir Walter Raleigh a royal charter to colonize North America, and he was supposed to establish a base in a place where the English could raid the Spanish treasure fleets that, like, came in. So, they wanted a place on the coast. So, Raleigh sent his first expedition of Englishmen to explore the eastern coast of North America, and they landed on Roanoke Island, which is one, uh, which is an island on the coast of North Carolina, if y'all were wondering. Also, I mean, if y'all took, like, you know, uh, elementary school social studies or some shit you've heard this story but you know what? i'm telling it again because i find it interesting i've always been interested in it yeah so. or you know if you watched the netflix show outer banks then you should know roanoke is kind of in the it's in the outer banks mm-hmm. isn't there also uh, an american horror story about this yes there is i didn't watch that season so mm. i have it uh the first half is good, and then the second half gets very, like, it gets weird. It gets, like, meta. It's like a documentary show within a show. It's very odd. Anyways, so, apparently after landing uh, in Roanoke, the people, uh, the men that were, like, in the little, like, crew, they made good connections with the uh, Croatoans, and they were the Native Americans who lived on the island, and... After the expedition, they actually brought back two of the Croatoan people to England, and they explained to Sir Walter Raleigh, like, you know, how they lived on the island. And so, after uh, Raleigh, like, learned this information, he was like, all right, sounds good. So, he got together a second expedition, uh, but this one was a disaster. So, they went uh, back to the island, and this time, though, the connections and relationships with the natives wasn't quite so good. There's a lot of tension and fighting um, because the natives were mad that the English came and exploited their land and resources. And I was like, motherfucking shocker. Yes, and Sir Walter Raleigh, I mean, that's all he knew how to do. He was a privateer, so he was just like, I'm going to come here, I'm going to steal your shit, and I'm going uh-huh. to bring it back to the queen. We're having an affair. Yeah, honestly, now that I know that, uh, you know, our uh, the place where we live is named after this man, I'm like, fuck that. He's he's kind of shitty. Yes, he was kind of a, uh, like a player, like a fuckboy. Yeah, later on in the story, he gets, like, just arrested or some shit. So, like, I really thought he had a, a bigger role to play maybe in this story, but he really didn't. Um, so, anyways, 
So a lot of people from this uh, disastrous expedition ended up traveling back to England and only a small group of them remained behind. It was about 15 remained like on the island and they were there to protect the fort that they had built and to protect Raleigh's claim to the island itself. Then Raleigh's like, okay, okay, we're gonna try one more time. So in 1587, he sent a third and final expedition to Roanoke Island. And this time he made his friend John White the leader and the governor of the colony. And this expedition, though, was a little bit different from the first two because it included women and children, and it was about 115 people, which indicated that this time they planned to, like, settle on the island and stay there. It wasn't just, like, a scouting mission at this point. They were trying to stay. So I'm like, damn, y'all already went and fucked shit up and came back, and then y'all think it's a good idea to go back again and stay this time? Yeah, you ain't supposed to... You ain't supposed to eat where you shit. <laughs> I thought it was sleep where you shit. Uh, I mean that too. Both. <laughs> probably, probably both apply. Uh, so when the group got back to the island, you know, there had been 15 men from the second expedition that were supposed to still be there. Um, but when the group got back, uh, the only thing left of these 15 men uh, was a skeleton. All of them were gone. So, I don't know. I guess they had died or kind of... There's only 15 of them, so they probably died from disease, animals, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently, when the the settlement of people got there, White was able to establish a pretty good relationship with the Croatoans, um, but not with all the natives in the area, obviously, because they had already been burned by them coming there before. So, you know, they were hanging out, whatever. But later that year, it was decided that White was going to return back to England so he could get some more supplies for the new settlement, you know. Mm-hmm. I guess they didn't come prepared, prepared enough. So, he was supposed to return pretty soon. Uh, but in 1588, there was an assault on England by the Spanish Armada. And this delayed his ability to return. So he ended up not being able to get the supplies he actually needed in return until 1590. And the date he returned was his granddaughter, who was Virginia Dare. You know, it was her third birthday and she was actually, I'm sure y'all have heard of her. She was the first English child to be born in the Americas. It was her birthday. He was, you know, going to come back on her birthday. Maybe he was going to throw a birthday party. <laughs> um... But unfortunately, when he made it back to Roanoke, it was completely deserted. There was no one there. There was no sign of a struggle, no sign of a battle, or any foul play. It was just empty. The only thing he found that was potentially a clue was uh, the word Croatoan carved into a fence post and the letters C-R-O carved into a tree. Hmm. It was also odd, though, you know, all the people were gone, so that's like, okay. But it was also odd because apparently all of the buildings and the structures that had been built on the island had been disassembled, indicating that kind of that the people hadn't been forced to leave the island, like, in a hurry. They weren't just, like, you know, killed and whatever, Mm -hmm. like, that somebody took down all their shit they had built. Yeah, it wasn't like they all, like, had to pack up shit and leave immediately you know at least at the very or even if they did somebody took the time to like clean everything up Mm-hmm. and this was interesting i'd actually never heard this part of it there was no sign that the colonists had left against their will because i guess 
before like white left, they had been instructed to carve a Maltese cross into a tree if they were forced to leave against the will, their will, but there was no cross found. Now, I don't know what a Maltese cross is. Um, a Maltese like a, is hay. like a, uh, Maltese is like a dog. So yeah, that's the white crusty dog that my family has. <laughs> that's what it is. It's a Maltese. But I assume it's just some sort of cross. Uh, so they were supposed to carve that into a tree if they were forced to leave, but they didn't find it. So they were like, okay. I guess everything's all right. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, so initially, White assumed that the colonists had, you know, maybe moved to the nearby island of Croatoan. But there was bad weather when they first got back. Um, and the weather prevented him and his men to go look for him. And I guess the guys who, like, came back over with him were supposed to go back to England. And they were like, look, man, we ain't got time for this. So they just left the next day. They just, like, left him there. I think they left him. Or they all left. I couldn't say. But somebody left. And they did not go <laughs> looking for nobody. <laughs> um, so after this, it kind of... I guess they went back to England and they were like, hey, we, this freaking settlement of people is gone. Like, what the heck? We don't know what happened. So, uh, England decided they were going to do some expeditions to figure out, and some investigations to figure out what the heck happened. So, in 1602, uh, Sir Walter Raleigh hired his own ship and paid sailors to go figure out what had happened. So, when they sailed over, they reached Virginia but when they got to Virginia, they hit a severe storm that forced them to head back to England before they were able to get to Roanoke Island. Which I was like, damn, y'all already made it to Virginia. Your best option was to go all the way back to England. Y'all couldn't have just chilled for a little bit. That's what I was thinking. Or like, uh, go south, go north. Uh, it doesn't And like hang out and then go down. Like, yeah, that didn't make sense. Honestly, I don't think they cared about these people. I think they was just doing it just to look like they was doing it. <laughs> yeah, that was, mm, yeah, I don't know about that. I, they, what did they say to the queen? Listen, we tried, I guess. Well, I don't know, because after this, uh, sir, when they, when the expedition got back and they were like, you know, it got all messed up, uh, Raleigh was arrested for treason, and so he was unable to organize any more search missions. So he was out at that point, all the searching. However, in 1603, a guy named Bartholomew Gilbert sent a mission, um, to search for the colony. But this time, a storm blew the expedition off course, and they ran ashore in the wrong location, which resulted in them being attacked and killed by the natives in the area. So this crew, some of the crew remained, and they did immediately return back to England, um, still with no information, which for them, I get it, uh, y'all got your shit wrecked. <laughs> Uh, so I probably wouldn't keep searching at that point. Who knows how many were left, you know? Nah, I'd probably be like, you know what, fuck this colony. I know. They, if they did, they did. It don't really matter at this point. No. Which I guess it does matter because here we are talking about it however long later. <laughs> uh, so after these few initial searches um, on what happened to the colony... I mean, they may have sent some other stuff out, but nothing was popping up. They couldn't figure out what had happened. Um, and so, basically, you know, the case went cold. I don't know if it was really a case at all. 
But, you know, over the years, a lot of different theories and hypotheses. This is the the coldest of the cold cases. (laughs) The coldest of the cold. Honestly, this was, like, probably one of my first, like, little, like, interest in true crime. (laughs) Did y'all, did you hear that? I heard myself in your shit. I heard myself to myself. What was that? Anyways, um, so, you know, this was one of my first, like, interests in a true crime area, because when I was a little kid, I, was, I mean, I don't know if it's true crime, but when I was a little kid, I was like, this is fascinating, because you learn about this in, like, kindergarten, and I was like, I ate this shit up. Uh, so, anyways, there's a lot of hypotheses and theories about what could have happened, um, so I'm going to talk about some of the common ones that people over the years discuss. So, the first theory is that the colonists were either absorbed into like a local native group and they lived with them, you know, peacefully, or they were captured by natives and taken as slaves. Either or. Uh, Those are uh, are very different (laughs) options. Yeah. So the main theory really is, though, that they moved to Croatoan Island and joined the natives that lived there um, because this they reportedly had good relations with these people. And there were obviously clues left on the island that they thought were saying, you know, they left the Croatoan in the fence post, basically, that they thought was telling people, hey, we're going to Croatoan Island. Um, this theory hasn't been completely substantiated, but it's one of the most viable ones, which probably makes the most sense to me because if they were waiting on supplies and they that guy took forever to come back and the natives, like, know how to live on the land, they're probably like, well, we need to go over here and, like, you know, live with these people because we've got to die. Yeah, and I mean, if as long as they're peaceful, you know, as long as they can live in harmony, because, I mean, for the... Honestly, I feel like colonists, they probably like, listen, we don't want any beef. Now, Sir Walter Raleigh, he might have wanted some beef, you know, but they were like, listen, he ain't coming back for six months. He's rendezvousing with the queen, so. Yeah, I feel like the, the, the settlers probably, like, they were just like, we need any help we can get, like, plus send help. Um, but they, it's also a viable option that the settlers ran into a hostile group of natives and they were taken as slaves, which, you know, also could be a possibility. I don't know, since they were on an island, I'm not sure, you know, like who else lived on the island, but interestingly, now through the advancement of, you know, technology and DNA, there was a DNA project founded by Roberta Estes, and she used her private DNA company to try and see if, like, the people of the Lost Colony merged with, like, native tribes. And they were able to, like, test people who they think may be descendants of the Roanoke Colony and also, like, native descendants to see if the DNA matched, kind of. They said so far, though, none of the DNA testing of any of the natives has been able to identify them as potential, like, descendants of maybe a native and a person from the Roanoke Colony. But who knows? But honestly, maybe they never had no babies with each other. You never know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I feel like I I heard something in the news a while back that said, like, we've solved it. We've solved the lost colony. And I think what they determined was that they just, you know, went and settled with the Native Americans. But I'm like, in my opinion, this will never be solved. You know? I don't don't think so either. Um, I did see one thing to where it was like, this has been solved. And then I read it and it was like, well, it really hasn't. They just think they may have something. 
But honestly, what it was was kind of just the, uh, they went and lived with the Croatoans, potentially. So, now, this next theory is not really a theory. Well, it's kind of a theory, but it's just interesting because I did not realize this. So, the word Croatoan itself apparently has been associated with numerous disappearances and mysteries throughout history. Well, after this incident. So, apparently, before Edgar Allan Poe died, he disappeared for a short while. And when he was seen again, he was really delirious. And in this weird delirious state, right before his death, one of his last words was Croatoan. Which, if I'm being honest, Edgar Allan Poe seems like a bit of a drama queen. <laughs> and so he probably did that on purpose. Yeah. Uh, he he's got, I also feel like he would have a really morbid sense of humor. So yeah, um, so I don't know what to make of that. Now the other ones to me are a little bit more like that's weird. So in 1888, the stagecoach robber Black Bart carved the word into the wall of his prison cell before he was released, and he was never seen or heard from again. The word was also found in Amelia Earhart's journal after she disappeared in 1937, mm. which I thought was interesting. That's interesting. I almost did Amelia Earhart as my disappearance story. I I thought about it because it was historical, but not, you know, but I didn't do it clearly. Here we are. <laughs> yes, here we are. <laughs> um, And then the last bed that horror writer Ambrose Bierce I don't know who that is, but whoever they are, apparently the last bed that they slept in before they disappeared in Mexico in 1913 had the word carved into one of the posts of the bed, which that's very odd. And then in 1921, the word was written on the last page of a logbook for the Carol A. Deering, which was a ship that had crashed on Cape Hatteras near Croatoan Island, and the whole crew of the ship was missing. Uh, now that one, they could have been traveling to Croatoan, and they could have wrote Croatoan in the logbook because that was their next location. Perhaps. But either way, I thought that was interesting that that word kept popping up with all these weird, mysterious disappearances. Um, maybe they know something we don't. Maybe they are all in an alternate universe together. Yeah, that's a theory. There is a Twilight Zone episode where this entire plane, like, disappears and they, like, have been sucked into another dimension only to, like, fly through the sky f for the rest of eternity. So, perhaps. Oh, God, that sounds like my version of hell, straight up. <laughs> being on a plane yes oh god that's terrible yeah uh so my next my next theory uh the colonists may have been murdered so in 1607 uh captain john smith i guess he kind of you know tried to take his own little expedition see what happened so he was trying to uncover what happened at roanoke because he claimed that chief powhatan i don't know if i'm saying that right um told him that he killed uh, the people of Roanoke to retaliate against them for living um, with another tribe that refused to ally with him. Apparently, Powhatan showed Smith items that he had taken from Roanoke to support the story um, of the being murdered, and the items included a musket barrel and a brass mortar and pestle. I don't really know 
how that supports it. Uh, yeah, mortal and pistol. They might have been maybe <laughs> making like um, like ah, like guacamole, or maybe <laughs> yeah. they were just like gonna crush up some nice herbs. Uh, who's to say? Make, yeah, and maybe so, they're making some of that. What's it called? Like um, bait? No, parsley salt. You know what I'm talking about? Oh so, uh, yeah, yeah. People make maybe. that shit on TikTok. Uh, so by 1609, this story of the fact that they were murdered by the natives in the area reached England, and King James and the Royal Council blamed Powhatan for the missing colonists. So, honestly, I think that was probably just a good way for them to sh- just ma- badmouth these people and be like, well, they killed them, so that could have been even more fuel to the fire for the colonists to go in and, you know, do what uh, we eventually know they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, another possibility, too, though, is that the Spanish murdered the settlers because England and Spain were in the middle of a war during this time. And they had initially uh, set up camp on Roanoke to, like, basically raid uh, Spanish ships. So, you know, the Spanish could have arrived on this island and be like, fuck this. Uh, we don't want y'all here and killed them. But the only thing about the murder theory to me and to other people that doesn't make sense is that there were no bodies on the island. There was no blood, nothing like that. And, like, all the buildings had been taken down. So you would think if something like that had happened, that if the Spanish had taken them, then they probably would have set up shop there, you know? Mm-hmm. But there was nothing. Yeah, it also seems weird, like, the if the Spanish did kill the English settlers, the... Why would the camp look so, like, you know, I mean, like, it didn't look like it was in disarray. And I feel like Mm-mm. if when I think of, like, invaders, I think if you're going to burn the whole town to the ground and kill everyone. Uh-huh. It ain't going to be left in pristine condition. It's not going to quite look deserted. It's probably just more going to look, like, just messed up. So, the next theory is cannibalism. Um, they're is a possibility that the colonists had to resort to cannibalism themselves to stay alive. And the other one is that they fell victim to outsiders that had cannibalized them. Uh, This theory may explain the lack of bodies because the cannibals could have eaten the settlers' uh, meat and then they said they they may have used their bones for other things by grinding them into a powder. Um, I'm not really sure what they would have done with the bones. One of them said a healing ritual, but I don't think that is quite accurate. I don't know what you're going to do with human bones. And another one was, too, that if maybe the they didn't grind up the bodies, um, but White was gone for three years, so if cannibalism had come about, you know, maybe... If they had been eaten by other people, there was time for the bodies to gradually go away. Um, something like that. But if I'm going to be honest, that doesn't really account for the whole buildings being taken down situation. No. But apparently this theory was pretty compelling because in 1609, the settlement of Jonestown, Virginia, did have to resort to cannibalism to stay alive. Um, and honestly, it's possible that Roanoke could have done a little bit of it because, uh, they didn't have their supplies they needed for, you know, three years or more. This is true. I don't know. I don't know, but Roanoke is an interesting area because it's very close to the top of North Carolina. So you get like that sort of coastal 
like vibe but it's also very like close to Virginia so you have like bears but you also have like crocodiles so I could definitely Mm -hmm. see it where the settlers got there and they were like listen there is a fucking dinosaur on the beach (laughs) there's a dinosaur on the beach and there is a damn bear out there in the woods we are we are safe nowhere and they just go and live with the Native Americans you know or maybe they maybe they all went and lived with the bears maybe or maybe they all died from disease um which they think could have happened because they may have gotten a disease from the americas that you know they couldn't they didn't have no immunity to and so they just died and they said the healthy people may have wanted to get rid of the sick people and they may have started fighting with each other over it and they could have potentially like all broken up into smaller groups you know and basically just dissipated and that way they just kind of disappeared they didn't really disappear they just broke up into such small groups and went different places that it was just kind of like well we're we're done now the last two i have are the most fun ones uh because they're a little supernaturally uh so some people mostly this is like a theory that i think the natives kind of put forth because i'm sure they have their own theories about what happened because they freaking lived here you know so they think that there's a possibility that well some people think there's a possibility that the croatoans themselves executed the colonists because they thought the colonists were witches um And there's also a theory that the colonists died from witches that lived in the North Carolina woods. Ooh, now I like this theory. I know. So the Croatoans believed in witchcraft. um, And it was possible that they thought the people of the colony may have been witches because they had brought in diseases themselves that were killing these natives in such large numbers so they thought that you know these are bad people they're witches because they brought something that you can't see that's killing us and so then the natives killed them like a a witch trial of sorts but the croatoans and other natives in the area also think and have stories of witches who lived in the north carolina woods that use black magic to hurt people and so they are like you know, we think that these colonists uh, fell victim to these witches that live out in the woods. Which, you know what? We do got witches that live in the North Carolina woods. I believe it. I also believe it. Especially up in the mountains. I bet you the Cherokee have their own version of mountain North Carolina witches. Maybe. I ain't never looked into it. Yeah, I feel like for sure the mountain witches probably exist. I mean, I'm just afraid of mountain people in general. You know. Hey, watch your mouth. <laughs> I went to watch go... your damn mouth. <laughs> Them backwoods <laughs> mountains, they just, they're scary. I like to stay in the city or at the beach. Uh, Brandon's niece went to camping in the mountains, like, literally, like, a couple miles from my house last weekend. And she called us, um... And she was like, yeah, we're out here in this tent. There ain't nobody else around. She was like, it's like this new campground that's set up for glamping. And she said that their tent was the only thing in like the whole campground. I was like, yeah, you about to die tonight. It was like 24 degrees. Honestly, I haven't talked to her since. I hope she's doing all right. Yeah, that sounds like my own. That sounds like my own personal hell. 
Yeah, same. Like I was like, dang, I, I was like, if you need some help, just call my mama. Like those, uh, I keep seeing videos of people who go to like those cabins where they have like a big glass window so you can just like look out onto nature. No, Mm-mm. absolutely to hell not. I could just imagine you trying to get some shut eye and fucking Bigfoot walks up or hell yeah uh you know i don't know a serial killer it's just not for me i'm gonna be honest no no okay so this is my last little theory it it is similar to witches but not quite um so some natives believe that the colonists may have a you know met their end by the hands of some sort of supernatural force or creature so one option is the wendigo so apparently when people resort to cannibalism their bodies can be taken over by the wendigo which is like a scary supernatural creature it looks like a half man half deer it's got these big ass horns it's it's scary looking if you ain't ever seen it um should I Google Google it or is it gonna make me not want to sleep I mean it ain't that scary but he don't look cute that's for sure um so the natives think that if the people of Rhode I made a mistake I looked it up I don't like it no it's pretty bad don't don't look it up everyone please don't look it up don't look it up oh god we'll have to cover we'll have to cover it one day on the show because i there's like a hell of stories about it i've heard it covered on other podcasts um but the people if the people of roanoke had resorted to cannibalism um it's likely that they are actually still alive because they were taken over by wendigos and they are roaming the woods of north carolina in the form of wendigos so, um, I didn't realize we had Wendigos in North Carolina, but there you have it. We have those scary creatures apparently in our woods. Well, I will be moving as soon as possible. <laughs> and so, the last one is that the Croatoan believe that there is a spirit on Roanoke Island that has the power to absorb humans into the landscape. So, if the spirit got anger angered or offended then it would turn people into trees or rocks or animals or anything in nature which would explain why the settlers disappeared without a trace because they are now literally the island so uh but to this day there is no solid answer as to what has happened to roanoke colony um or why they disappeared so the mystery is still alive and well. Wow. Thank you for that. Um, I definitely grew up listening to that, you know, that story. I also was very fascinated by it as an early child. But I distinctly remember one year we went on a youth trip to the Outer Banks. <laughs> and we went to go see, if you ever go to Roanoke, you can go and watch a stage performance of the lost colony and um you know we watch it it's kind of it's kind of shitty i'm not gonna lie it's you know local theater uh-huh but you know <laughs> that's part of the charm of it and well we the show ends and my youth pastor stands up and just starts clapping he does like a standing oh ovation. god he's the no. only one in the audience that stands up <laughs> 
stands up so confidently and starts clapping and he looks around like god can y'all please back me up and i was like i will not back you up on this one Mm. sir i have never been to the outer banks actually uh typically if you live in north carolina your school will take a field trip to the outer banks like usually eighth grade um we, we got shitted out my year so i'm like the only person i know that's never been to the outer banks so it's fine uh but one day, maybe I should, I will go to Roanoke and watch, we should go together. We'll watch that shitty play and we'll Instagram live it for all <laughs> y'all. <laughs> all right. Sounds like a deal. <laughs> uh, yes. But thank you for listening to my story. Um, I had fun. I like little history stories. Uh, it wasn't, you know, it was a disappearance, but it wasn't like sad because we don't know what happened. Because it happened so been a long happy ago story. too. Also, this could be a happy story. They could have just moved in with those Croatoans and they'd just be hanging out, you know, eating fish and whatnot. Yes. They'd definitely be eating fish. They lived on an island, so I assume. (laughs) Thank you for that. What's our theme for next week? It is poltergeists. So this seems like Sydney's not gonna be sleeping. Yeah, that's scary. So that one's going to freak me out. The supernatural stories freak me out more than the uh, murder stories to research at nighttime anyways. Yeah. And, you know, I can't stand a like a, a scary cr- unknown creature. You down, told me about the Wendigo. I, the Wendigo. <laughs> I, I, fuck this. I'm going to lock my bedroom door tonight. Uh, so let's see. Follow us on Instagram at Gonna Sound Weird Pod. Follow us on Twitter at Gonna Sound Weird. Join our Facebook group. Uh, you just look it up. This is Gonna Sound Weird in the search bar. You'll find us. We'll be right there. If you got a weird story that you want to tell us, all you have to do is email us at this is gonna sound weird at gmail.com. If you email us something, we will send you a sticker or a koozie. You know, you're gonna get mm-hmm. a handwritten something for sure. Yep. And rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, please. We would like some more. Uh, five stars, preferably. If you don't want to give a five star, just slide into our uh, our email and tell us what you don't like. You don't have to put it on iTunes. Because them iTunes ratings, I think they help us somehow. In the charts, question mark. Yes. And if you, you know what, just if you have some critiques, I'd rather you email us or Instagram DM yeah. us, preferably. Please don't. Yeah, Instagram DM us. That'll work. Please don't roast us to hell in the public forum. No, please don't. But All right. until is that, is that it? That's it. Until next week, uh, y'all stay weird and pray. Yep. Pray that I get a snow day tomorrow. <laughs> Same. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye.